All right, it's great to see you this morning. Good to see everybody. Well, we know Harry Houdini as one of the greatest escape artists of all time. He would defy uh, thrill audiences with death-defying feats. In one of his most famous acts, he would escape from a straitjacket while hanging upside down from a building or a crane. So, Nick, if you want to pull out your crane and... (laughs) Get me hanging upside down, see, see what happens with that, I don't know. But uh, just, just the sight of that would, would really draw thousands of people. Um, he performed in major cities all across the United States. Sometimes it would draw tens of thousands of people, like in Times Square in New York City. Traffic would come to a stop, and in a matter of moments, Houdini would shake free, leaving the audience breathless. And um, you know what made Houdini so special is the fact that when he performed, it was like do or die. Either he would fall to his death or he would escape from that straitjacket. And uh, to this day, you know, everybody knows Harry Houdini. At the end of the message today, I want to share with you one of Houdini's secrets that helped him with his great straitjacket escape. But um, until then, I'm going to leave you hanging. Ah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay. Oh, we're in a sermon series here today called Beautiful Tension, and we've been talking some of those tensions of the Christian faith, and over the last few weeks, we've seen the tension between God forgiving all of our sins, and yet we need to confess confess our sin. We've seen the tension between us being in the world, like Jesus called us to be, but also not being of the world, and both are true, both matter, and both of those create a tension in our life. And as we've seen over the last few weeks, it's a beautiful tension. It's an amazing tension. Um, This week, I want to take us to a place that Houdini would often take his audiences. And that's the tension between trouble and hope. Hanging from a straitjacket and yet maybe making a daring escape. We're... uh, We as Christians know that tension pretty well. In fact, Jesus captures it for us in John 16, 33. He says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Isn't that pretty amazing? In this world we have trouble, and in Christ we have hope. Both are true. A Christian life isn't hope or suffering. The Christian life is Hope in suffering. It's one of the, what we're calling a beautiful tension of the Christian faith. I think sometimes we can think suffering and hope are contradictory. And yet what we see in scripture is they're actually complementary. And today you might be in that tension. Might be like Houdini, hanging by a thread, looking for a way of escape. Uh, Could be a long struggle over health. Endless treatments, the, the exhausting feeling of wondering if what you're experiencing right now will ever get any better. Some of you might be uh, suffering the pain of a broken relationship with a loved one. And maybe, um, you know, you, you can hardly bear it to be at home or you can't sleep at night. There is no peace. We all face trouble. Could be a boss at work or 
Maybe it's just a bill you can't pay. Remember Jesus said, um, each, each day has enough trouble of its own. And isn't that true? Certainly true for me. You know, each day has its own trouble. It's just sometimes a matter of, of whether it's more or less. Life is full of trouble. How do we find hope? That's my question for today. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians is written by the Apostle Paul. Paul, who suffered much. Uh, If anybody was qualified to speak about suffering, I think it was the Apostle Paul. And uh, Paul is going to talk not only about his sufferings, but also about the spectacular way that God can unleash hope in our life as believers in Jesus. So uh, I assure you it's not a magic trick, but it is real. We can have hope in the midst of our suffering. And Paul's going to show us how. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. And if you'll jump to verse 16 with me. He says, Therefore we do not lose heart, Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I want to show you today that God can actually unleash hope in the midst of our suffering. And uh, I want to show you three ways that God can do that for us today. So let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you that you're an all-powerful God. You're an all-sovereign God. Um, We thank you, God, that um, we have hope in the midst of suffering. And sometimes we we wonder how that can even be possible because of just the difficulties that we go through. And this morning, we don't hide our trouble from you, but we invite you into it so that you can display your all-surpassing power. So God, I pray that, you, that today our hearts would be lifted up. I pray that hope would rise up. Uh, you just guide me, Lord, and, and help me to, to have words to say. Um, so we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're looking at how suffering unleashes hope. I want to show you three ways that Christ can do that in our life. And number one, here, suffering unleashes hope in the display of God's power. Suffering itself can actually unleash hope in the display of God's power. Take a look at verse 7. Paul says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power, let me hear you say power, power, so that the power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. 
I love this scripture because Paul amazingly embraces his own suffering. Now, he doesn't deny his pain. He doesn't hold back from admitting his own weakness. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? He says, we're struck down. We're hard-pressed. Right? We're confused. We don't always understand why certain things happen in our life. And Paul embraces all of those feelings that we can all relate But sometimes, you know, as as believers in Jesus, I think we ask, you know, if I believe in God, if I'm praying, why do I still suffer? And I think if Paul were here today, the first thing he'd say, if, if you're going through suffering this morning, I think he'd say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you're suffering. You know, Paul was the one who said, weep with those who weep. And we are truly sorry if there is pain in your life this morning. But I think secondly, Paul would point to his own suffering and his own experience as a Christian just to remind us that being a believer in God, um, God never guarantees a life without suffering. You know, and just because we believe in Jesus doesn't mean that we won't experience suffering or that God will necessarily answer all of our prayers on our own terms. Right? The, this is a world full of trouble. I mean, Jesus guarantees it, doesn't it? In this world, you will have trouble. So Paul here today, he embraces his suffering. You know, how how do we respond to suffering and difficulty? You guys know what I do? What some of us do? I deny it. Anybody? You doing okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Well, you don't look fine. Anybody? (laughs) Do it all the time, right? Like, when we're going through difficulty, we want to appear strong. We want to appear tough. You know what that is? That's pride, right? That's that's the prideful response to our suffering. You know what else I do? I minimize it. Like the, the, the Black Knight in Monty Python, it's only a flesh wound. Yeah, but your arm, you know, like you cut off your arm. You know, not much more than a flesh wound. I think Paul does something radically different here. Paul opens up about his suffering. He takes the humble approach to suffering. He lets go of his pride. He opens up about the difficulty in his life. He gets vulnerable, so to speak. Why would he do that? Because in our suffering, God wants to showcase his strength. Did you see that in our passage today? We actually want to open up about our suffering because it's in our suffering God showcases his power. Look at verse 7. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. I want to encourage you today that God wants to show his all-surpassing power in your life. What does that mean? It just means that what you're going through isn't greater than the God that's inside of you. And and what better way for God to shine a light on his power than to do it in our weakness, in in our suffering. If you think about it, suffering actually creates an opportunity for a greater experience of God's power because the power has to come from God. It can't come from us. God wants to display his all-surpassing power in your life. If you want to know what that looks like, 
Paul tells us in the verses that follow. And I love this because you actually hear the tension. You feel the tension between Paul's suffering and God, God's all-surpassing power. And we can put it on a chart here for you. You see Paul's suffering on one side, God's all-surpassing power on the other. Paul's hard-pressed. But by God's all-surpassing power, he's not crushed. Perplexed by the power of God, not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And then I love how he ties it all to Jesus. And he actually says there's an identification with Jesus here. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. As many of us go through challenges today and difficulties, our testimony is really this. I'm trusting in Jesus Christ. And because of Christ, because of his all-surpassing power, I've got stories that I'm going to add to this list. I was hurt. But by the all-surpassing power of God, I forgave. I was broke. But by his all-surpassing power, I learned how to depend on him. I had cancer, but by the power of God, I faced it with courage. Sometimes the greatest display of God's all-surpassing power is not how he gets us out of our suffering, but how he brings us through our suffering. Amen? Suffering unleashes hope in our life in the display of God's power. And one of the best places for God to display his power is in our weakness and in our suffering. And if like Paul, if we'll be willing to open up to others about our faith and about our suffering, people will be inspired. It's not just the death of Jesus, it's the life of Jesus revealed in us. Amen? Pain gives us a platform because The power at work in our suffering is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And we need that today. We need that hope. The world needs that hope today. Suffering unleashes hope in the display of God's power. Number two, suffering unleashes hope in light of eternity. This is verses 16 and 17. Therefore, we do not lose heart. It's a part of God's power at work. Not going to lose heart. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. One of the questions that just something that strikes me when I read this passage is did, did you hear what Paul called our troubles? Light and momentary. And I got to go, wait a minute, Paul. Are you serious? Really? Light and momentary. If you've ever been in suffering, you know it's, it's rarely light. It's hardly momentary. And it seems like, you know, Paul might be minimizing our experience or, or even denying our pain. Oh, it's just light and momentary. You would never say that to someone, right? And yet Paul does. How dare he call our suffering light and momentary? How can he do that? Does Paul have any clue about what it actually means to suffer? And I assure you, he sure does. 
you keep reading 2 Corinthians in chapter 11, he begins to chronicle some of the immense suffering that he's been through. He's been in prison, beaten, stoned, received 39 lashes five times, beaten with rods three times, shipwrecked three times, uh, spent a day and a night adrift at sea. Okay? He faced rejection, hunger, thirst, and homelessness, none of which we would describe as insignificant or brief. See, for Paul, it's all a matter of comparison and perspective. He sees his suffering through the lens of eternity. He sees his suffering in light of the glory to come. He says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So look at it this way, Paul says. Put all of your suffering on one side of the scale. And then on the other side, put the eternal weight of glory. There is no comparison. In fact, Paul's language fails him. Underneath this, this word, this far outweighs them all, he uses the Greek word hyperbole. It just means the same thing in Greek that it does in English. It's a, it's a comparison that, that goes overboard, an exaggeration, an overstatement. But in order to capture the magnitude of the glory awaiting for us, uh, he actually does something he does nowhere else in his letters. He uses the word twice, hyperbole into hyperbole, exaggeration of the exaggeration. I can't even tell you how amazing the glory will be that comes. Hudson, my son, has been learning when you, talk about, when you want to talk about the most of something, you can use the word infinity. The other day, Hudson came up to me. He says, Dad, you want to know what's bigger than infinity? I said, yeah. He goes, Xfinity. <laughs> See, we all think of it as the, you know, as the, the brand, Xfinity. No, no, not for Hudson. Xfinity is like the infinity of infinity. That's where Paul wants our mind to go. God has an amazing and glorious future that awaits us as believers in Jesus that far outweighs it all. He's making a new heavens and a new earth, raising us up, bringing us together. No more sadness, no more pain, no more loneliness, no more fear. All that's going to be gone. Everything sad is going to become untrue. Imagine what that day will be like when Christ reigns and we get to experience the everlasting presence of God. This pain is momentary. Eternity is forever. You feel the glory of what's to come? It's not infinity. It's exfinity. And I hope in our suffering and in our pain, we would take the time, like Paul, to reflect on our eternity with God. And not only to reflect on our eternity with God, but 
to imagine the greatness of our eternity with God. Isn't it amazing how suffering sometimes makes us long for eternity? Something about suffering itself that unleashes that hope in our life. And I think if we'll do that, if we'll allow our mind to go to the weight of glory that all that far surpasses it all, our perspective just might change. It might just unleash some hope in our life. It far surpasses the heartache, far surpasses the pain, far surpasses the sum of all the difficulties we could experience on this earth. When you care, compare the suffering of the glory to come, excuse me, when you pay, compare the suffering of this life with the glory to come, Paul says, there's no comparison. Suffering unleashes hope, number one, in the display of God's power, especially the power to get us through, right? And number two, suffering unleashes glory, sorry, suffering unleashes hope in light of eternity, our future glory far surpasses the pain of this life. Last one. Suffering unleashes hope in the daily renewal of our faith. And this is where I want to apply it to our lives um, because this is not automatic. Right? This, this power, this hope, it is not automatic. Um, you notice we have to be strong on the inside to face everything on the outside. How do we get through? It takes a daily renewal of our faith. I'm talking about a strengthening of the soul that comes from that daily time with God. I'm, I'm in God's word. I'm praying. I'm, I'm allowing Christ to renew my faith in him. Right? Otherwise, it's like climbing Mount Everest without oxygen. It's like going on a long road trip with only half a tank of gas. We're not going to make it. How does Paul get through? He tells us in verse 16. How do we stay strong in suffering? How did Paul remain encouraged in difficulty? He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So how does Paul not lose heart? Outwardly, he's wasting away. But inwardly, he's being renewed every day. It's daily. A daily renewal. How? Not by fixing our eyes on what is, uns on what is seen, but on what is unseen. we got to tap into those unseen realities of our faith. What's seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. Therefore, we walk by faith, not by sight. But how easy is it to get distracted, to lose sight? So easy. I was driving this week. I had my cell phone in my pocket. I felt that little buzz. Came to the light. Light is red. Pulled out my phone, and I had no idea the light had turned green in front of me. And I had lost sight of what was most important for me. And the same thing can happen in our spiritual life, can't it? We can, lose, we can lose sight of what's most important for us. And that's why we need a daily habit of fixing our eyes on Jesus. 
You're going through suffering. Do you have a daily habit of spending time with Jesus, allowing Christ to renew and to ignite that faith in your life? For me, it just looks like starting my day in God's word, bringing my concerns to him in prayer, and then getting a fresh experience of the presence of Christ, embracing the life of Jesus as I put my trust in him. Outwardly, wasting away. Inwardly, being renewed day by day. And Paul says, therefore, we do not lose heart. So do not lose heart. Don't lose heart. God wants to unleash hope in our lives today. And it comes through a daily renewal of our faith. And I hope today that you will get in the habit of having that daily renewal of your faith. If you're here today and you've never put your trust in Jesus, I hope you'll do that today for the very first time. In Romans chapter 5, Paul glories in his suffering. Now that's a weird thing. I would never choose suffering. None of us would. But as Paul goes through his suffering in Romans 5, he glories in it, and he tells us why. He says, suffering produces hope. Wouldn't want suffering, wouldn't choose suffering. But when we go through suffering, Paul says, you know what we can glory in? We can glory in the fact that suffering produces hope. Or as we've observed today, Suffering unleashes hope in the life of a believer. You say, how is that possible? Paul tells us a secret. Number one, suffering unleashes hope in the display of God's power. He's going to get you through. It's not always the power to get us out of suffering, but he will give you the power to get you through the suffering. Number two, in light of eternity, there's an eternal weight of glory waiting for us at the end. And number three, in the daily renewal of our faith. And we're not going to make it if we're not daily renewing our faith in Christ. Well, I promise not to leave you hanging. So let's get back to Houdini here. Houdini would often put himself in impossible situations and he would do uh, straitjacket escapes while hanging upside down. But ironically, and uh, Houdini knew this, this was kind of the secret to his success. When you're hanging upside down, your torso extends. When your torso extends, there's more room in the jacket. So isn't that interesting? So something that looks death-defying actually helped him escape. Isn't that interesting? And I just want to tell you today about our suffering. It looks, it can be hard, it can be painful, but suffering is the very place that God is going to do the most spectacular work in your life. I believe that today. I believe it for you. In the midst of suffering, we have hope. Suffering produces hope, and he's doing that in our lives today. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you love us. Thank you that you never abandon us. We're always by your side. Thank you for walking with us as we go through the valleys and on the mountaintops. Thank you for a church family to support us. Thank you for your word that inspires us. 
God, I pray today that you would renew our hearts. Give us the inner strength to face the battles we're facing today. I pray for those who are, um, who are weak, who are hurting. I pray for those who are lost or confused. That you would just speak to our hearts. Speak your comfort. Speak hope. Let the life of Jesus be revealed in our hearts today, in this day, in this battle. And we pray that you would get all of the glory. As we open up, Lord, let the world see the all-surpassing power of Jesus displayed in our life. I love to worship you, Lord. One of the ways that we fight our battles is through worship. One of the ways you set us free is by singing songs of praise. The day we say, Lord gives, Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. You are an amazing God, and we love you. Thank you for this time. Renew our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, would you stand? Let's worship the Lord.